if you love God for God, in the same way we would say this is true for our earthly relationships, if you love your child or your spouse because you love them, then there's a different dynamic in how you treat them and it changes what you expect from them. So adoration is very important when we approach God. And when we speak about adoring God, I just want to bring up some of, some of the things and some of the reasons why we should adore him. God is a good God. He's a just God. He's a mighty God. He is a God that tells us he's all, all wisdom, all knowing. Uh, he is a caring God. He's a God who is defined by mercy and love. And so when we speak about adoration, what we begin to do is we, we meditate on who God is. And just as importantly, we begin to recognize his promises. So what, what he has done for us in Jesus we make it a point to remind ourselves about who God is, who he says he is, and the way that he's worked in our lives. And that's a really strong idea. Oftentimes, the way we pray for the future, uh, it can be disconnected from the way God has worked in our lives in the past. And I'll give you another example. When it comes to things like hope, um, if we look back in our, our pedigree of following God, it's very likely that there are times when God was gr a great hope to us. Yet sometimes we can deceive ourselves in looking to the future uh, by becoming hopeless. So we have a, a historical way God's worked in our lives, but yet we then forget that God can continue to work in our lives in that same way in the future. And so our current situations, our future situations, to a certain degree, should be shaped by past perspectives. Because the way that God teaches us and shows us and cares for us and loves us all revolves around this idea of him being a good, a faithful, a loving God. Our, our past really is a great hope for our future. And so adoration is a very strong theme. We start by recognizing who God is in prayer and loving him deeply because of it. And I want to share with you uh, a, a, a couple of verses this morning, or one particular verse that really shows this. Uh, if you'll look throughout Scripture, you'll find that the great men and women of God always began praying to God by, by adoring him. And I think David, King David, is perhaps the best example we have of this. This is a guy with major things going on in his life, but he doesn't start his prayers typically by saying, God, you know, save me. He starts by the recognition of, of a God who actually can save him. He begins declaring that God is a God who can deliver him in his circumstances or make good on the promises that he's offered him. So this idea of seeing God as great and then praying is important. So as we open this morning, I want you to reflect on this. This is where we'll have our first kind of time of prayer. I'll read Romans 8 for you, 38 through 39. And then what will happen after this is our worship team will lead you in a little bit of worship. So I want to read the verse to you first. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us uh, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning, ask yourself, do you, do you really adore God in your everyday life? When you think about 2017, are you, thinking about, are you thinking about a God who loves you and cherishes you? And then I want you to, after you answer that question, spend some time focusing on who God is and what that means in your life. We just gave a list of very important attributes, the, the characteristics that make God God. As you think about God being good and just and loving and caring, ask him to help you understand what that actually means in your life. How does God's goodness affect your life tomorrow or Tuesday. And for, for example, if he's good and loving and trustworthy, a God who cares about you deeply, that should begin to shape your life, uh, something that looks like hope or, or peace. God's love and care like this for you is supposed to shape the way you see life. So ask yourself this morning, if you, ex if you know these things, if you've experienced these things, and then take just a few moments with this prayer guide behind us to, uh, to get to know God a little bit this morning. And one last thing I'll say here before we pray, these are guides. And what I mean by that is it's an opportunity for you to uh, 
to pray specifically, but I don't want you to feel restricted by them. Uh, as you pray about these things, ask God to show you things and to lead you in prayer. And so let's begin this morning by our first uh, time of worship, or with our first time of worship. Sundays, this is a time where we have a, a time of uh, guided prayer, a little bit different from our normal uh, traditional Sunday gathering. So with that said, keep that in mind as we continue through this morning. We just spent some time talking about it and then worshiping and praying, obviously, around this idea of what it means to, to adore God. And this leads us to the second uh, truth that I want to talk about this morning briefly. After we adore God, it's important to focus on confessing our sin to God. And remember, the Acts paradigm is kind of a, it's a linear grid that helps us to understand a healthy way to approach God. So we adore God, recognizing who he is. And then it's rather important that we spend some time recognizing who we are before God. And this is where the confession of sin uh, plays a major role in our faith. So confession in the Bible is really the act of asking God to remove from your life anything that keeps you from fully experiencing him. Sometimes these things can uh, be moral issues, like maybe we've had a, a really rough week or we have been struggling with, with anger or bitterness or guilt or envy or whatever it is. I don't know. But moral issues are a major thing that can keep us from experiencing the fullness of God. Not just moral issues, though. There are times when our emotional posture or even our spiritual disposition before God can, can drift into places that are unhealthy, causing us to have a a distorted view of who God is and certainly who we are before him. Sometimes we might have like the trifecta of these things. We, we struggle with all three at the same time. We, we have moral issues going on, we have spiritual issues going on, and certainly emotional problems. And so the bottom line is that unconfessed sin of, of any, any type of sin, no matter what it is or what it looks like, in our lives keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life that God desires for us. And the beauty of confession, fortunately, this, this, this term of sin and confession, in our modern culture, these are not necessarily words that are viewed as positive or favorable anymore. And I, I would not go so far as to say that sin is a favorable or a positive term, but true to form, if we understand who God is, if we've adored him properly, these words should not, uh, they should not cause us to be afraid or, or to feel, guilt, feel guilty. The idea of sin and the idea of approaching God with our sin, it's, it is a guaranteed response from God. There is a beauty that comes out of this. God can take a very bad thing and make it a very good thing because he promises to forgive us of our sin. So for the Christian, these words should not be fearful. They should be words that help us to understand we have a loving Father in heaven whom we can approach and bring these things to, and he will show us goodness and mercy to help us move out of those things. He doesn't want us remaining in moral, spiritual, or emotional failure. He wants us to be people who, who thrive in those three areas of life. And so whenever we truly adore God, it should, it should remind us of two things. The first is, is it should remind us of who God is, but it should also remind us of who we are before God. When we truly recognize who we are as people before a great and awesome God, it should almost always require a confession of sin. Because those unconfessed heart attitudes, no matter what they are, whatever they are, they cause us to, to have a distorted understanding of God and life. So as we pray right now, I want you to ask God uh, to, to provide a great grace and forgiveness uh, to your life in the areas that need it. I, I don't want you to be afraid of this. In fact, I want you to recognize that this is a foundational heart rhythm that, that can be beneficial for our lives as we view and look towards the new year. And there will be some guided instruction for how to pray for forgiveness 
behind us. Uh, because once we get to these next prayer blocks, it's important that we approach God um, with, with a right heart. So for the next few minutes, read and reflect on Romans 12:2. It will be behind me. And then as we worship, I want to encourage you to worship God with all that you are. And Romans 12:2 tells us this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Two very important verbs there. One speaks of, of, a, of a conformity to something that could be unhealthy, the patterns of the world, the things that are not of God. And then it speaks about something very positive. What, what that should be replaced with, for those of us who love God, is a transformed spirit. It's a renewal of, of the mind. So we do want to conform, if you will, just not to the things that are not of God. The things that are of God is what our, our priority should be. So we confess what is not of God and we pursue what is of God. And then, Paul tells us, when we do that, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is a super important statement, and it will matter much when we get to the supplication part of our prayer. Because oftentimes, if we're out of sorts with our view of God and our lives before him, what we'll do is we'll begin to pray for and ask for things that are actually not of God. They might even be things that that further push us away from him. We want to know what his will is for our lives. So spend some time in quiet reflection, thinking through Romans 12 too, and ask God to show you the areas of your life and heart that are not in agreement with who God calls you to be and how he calls you to live. And then spend some time confessing the, these areas of your life to him. Ask God to renew them, to transform them. And I will leave you with this before we move into a time of meditation. Be confident and at peace that God has already promised to forgive you and help you to overcome these things. He doesn't have a, you know, a, 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 a scowl on his face when you bring these things to him. I think there's a great joy in God's heart when we recognize what we are not yet in him and ask him to help us become more like him. So don't conform. Be transformed this morning and let this time of worship and prayer be the catalyst that moves you in that direction. Seated. I love that song because of its, it's obviously one of the more famous Christian hymns, but I, I just think it's sort of timeless, and it, it always moves me to think about how many other men and women have, are right now, and will be singing that song uh, in the future to God around this very idea that we just discussed, this, this recognition that we, we can be broken and imperfect people, but really worship a God who loves us in spite of that and went to great lengths to redeem us. So I hope the meaning of that song really penetrated your hearts because I think it's going to be very influential in the next prayer block that we look at. We've discussed the importance of adoring God, recognizing who he is, confessing our sin to God, recognizing God's great role of redemption in our life. And after confession of sin, the natural state of our heart should be to give thanks to God. I want you to think about the spiritual and the emotional reality of this. If if you truly understand confession, then what should be swelling out of you right now is, is thanksgiving because of the understanding of what God has done for you and what he desires to do for you in the future. So no matter what it is we're facing in life, it's hard to dispute that in the scripture, the remedy for it is to discipline our hearts to find something to give thanks for uh, during it. I mean, we have a national holiday called Thanksgiving for this very idea. It's, it's kind of both sociologically and psychologically and theologically recognized that you're better to be in a position of thanksgiving than you are to be in a position of despair or, or woe. And so thanksgiving has a very important understand, uh, meaning in the Christian faith. So think about this. Here's what I mean by, by being a person who gives thanks during all times of life. It's like when you feel you are without something, rather than focusing on that, to dig deep and really reflect on what God has already provided you with. 
This happens a lot, and I, I've noticed this as my children get older. Um, we, I'm very thankful that we don't have kids that are kind of hardwired for material. And what I mean by that is they, they don't long for much. Um, we've really worked hard on trying to invest in experience with them, meaning uh, we, we want them to we want to be on trips with them and be in spaces with them where when they think back in life, they're going to look at that that time they had with us. That's what shapes them, not necessarily an item or a thing, not that we're against items or things. But I have noticed even even in my family where there's a strong emphasis on that, my children at times still desire things. And sometimes they uh, they desire things that they don't need. And what happens is they get to this place where their their whole kind of emotional psyche is is crushed. I even saw this, uh, you know, Christmas morning in my neighborhood. There's lots of kids, and all of these kids have stuff, and my kids got stuff too. But it's funny watching conversations in the front yard where a bunch of 10 to 12 year olds are all comparing what they got, and some are looking at things they didn't get and and thinking, I wish I got that in in, in addition to this. And so what happens is, is if we are constantly thinking about what we are without in life, it will likely lead us to a, a problematic place in our hearts. And I tell my children this all the time. There is always going to be more in life that you are without than, than you are with. If you look at the whole world, there's more time, space, money, travel, dot, 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 than there is time, space, or money for you to enjoy all of those things. So I think logically it's important for we as Christians to, to meditate in this position of thanksgiving. And that's what this prayer block is about. There is always something to be thankful for if you are a believer. There is always something God has provided you with if you are a believer. If you think that you are without relationships or love or care in your life, if you think the world has forsaken you, the truth is that the Christian faith teaches us something very contrary to that. You have to dig deep, though, at times to recognize that, to recognize that even if everything is gone in your life, God is not God. His, his love and his care and his blessing is still upon you. To give thanks is truly a discipline where you focus your heart's attention away from the negative in life and onto the faithfulness of God. I'm not saying to be naive here. I'm not saying that we, you know, we stick our head in the proverbial sand and we don't address the challenges of life. What I am saying is that we recognize that with the challenge, there is always the goodness of God. There is something to be thankful about. It's the art of giving thanks to God for the goodness that he has already shown you. Past perspective matters. And it is important to remember that he is always faithful to you to forgive your hurt, to heal your heart, to help you experience a fullness in Jesus. So oftentimes we, we walk around life not recognizing that we have the greatest thing we could ever have, and that is the presence of Jesus in our lives. But it's very easy, I think, to look for and to long for things at times that might, that might blind us from that. And that's when we drift into unhealthy heart attitudes. So thanksgiving or thankfulness is really reminding ourselves that as Christians, there's always something to give thanks for even when you don't feel like it. And that's a very important statement. Oftentimes our emotional feeling about thanksgiving is incongruent with the, with the spiritual reality of what it means to be thankful as a believer. Because if for nothing less I'll, or else, I'll reiterate this, you have a God who loves you, who cares for you. And in the Christian faith, if you're in a healthy church, and ours is a healthy church, you are likely surrounded by other men and women who love you with that same type of passion and fervor. There is always goodness and grace in your life when we recognize God's desire to forgive us and when we recognize that he promises to be with us in life no matter what we deal with. And so one of the real sources of power in the Christian faith is learning to walk in a spirit of thanksgiving no matter what is happening in your life. And this is very important as we come off of a, you know, a pretty robust holiday season and we move into this inauguration of the new year because it's very likely that we all have challenges in front of us. 
We have uh, things that we're excited about, things that we're maybe not so excited about. Um, this, this is life. It can be a journey and a challenge and a battle at times. The point of this is to say, no matter what is in front of you, I pray that you will face it with a posture of thanksgiving. The more you develop that spiritual muscle, the more likely you are to see an increased ability to give thanks in all circumstances. So in light of this, this idea of thanksgiving, spend some time now digging deep and giving thanks. As we move into this time of prayer and worship, I really want to encourage you to follow the instructions on the screen behind me to help you meditate on, on thanksgiving. And I want to read to you Psalm 118.29. Let this kind of prime your pump as you do so. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I pray that that's a guiding verse for you this year. You have someone who loves you and cares for you. And, to, and I want to challenge you to reciprocate that. And as you think about 2017, I want you to make it a point to give thanks for how God has blessed you in 2016. And as you do, remember, sometimes our ability to give thanks requires us to see situations as God sees them and not necessarily how we expect them to look. That's a very different outcome if you look at your life at times and say, I wish this, 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 and this had happened, if God has a, a, a different this, this, this list for you. So I want you to, to very purposely, whether it's on a phone or a piece of a paper or whatever you use to record information in life, to, to notate some of these things. Ask God to show you how he's blessed you. And I want to encourage you to write those things down. And to kind of meditate on those. As you move into 2017, don't forget the way God has worked in your life in 2016. Create your own personal list of blessings, if you will, so you can look back on them as you look forward in this new year. You may be seated. Unless you want to stand, you're allowed to do that. <clears throat> so lastly, here's how we begin to wrap up this morning. Uh, Lastly, and I say this with, with as much uh, intensity as I can, deeply informed by the first three prayer blocks, is to ask God to supply your needs. And so in a number of places in the Bible, we're told to pray for the desires of our heart, to ask Jesus for anything, to pray without shame, to make our needs and requests known to God. There are places where we're told to, to pray big and important prayers. It's, it's very important that we recognize this morning is not designed to, to neuter us from praying in great and grand ways for God as, or to God, as much as it is a design to help us get to this place, to arrive at this junction with a very healthy understanding of what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And so it's a very real blessing that we can pray to God like this. However, the, the big caveat is that we make sure when we speak about God granting us the desires of our hearts or our needs that we always recognize there can be places in our life where our desires and requests are always in line with God's are out of line with God's desires for us which means there needs to be a sense of spiritual discernment as we pray for what is in line with the will of God and that is the way I want to encourage you to pray right now so when you pray it's important to always pray for your needs and desires last i deeply believe this and i say this each year at this junction because when you begin your prayer time with God, adoring him, uh, confessing sin to him, offering thanksgiving to him, it changes the things that you think you need. You, you need a filter to go to God with this. Otherwise, we start with what I like to call the supplication juggler. You just go right to God and tell him everything you think uh, that you need. And at times when he does not provide those things, you get angry at God and maybe even disheartened. So this is a, a, a set of spectacles, you might say, that help us to view what it means to bring our needs and requests to God. 
And I will tell you, if you have properly brought adoration, confession, and thanksgiving to God, needs and problems, no matter how big they are, always seem a little bit smaller when you look at them through the eyes of God. Because you are reminded of the power of our King and Savior. You do not face them alone. You face them with the goodness of God. And so praying for your needs last causes us to first focus on God and what his will is for our lives and what his promises are in our lives. And the great thing about doing this is the more time you spend dwelling on what God desires for your life, the more likely you are to pray for the things that are in line with the will of God, which is very revealed in the Bible. When I speak of the will of God here, I I don't refer to it as some secret mystical thing we can't know. If you read the scripture, what you will find out is that God is utterly knowable and has made a way for us to utterly know him. So the will of God is not something secret. It is revealed for your life. And if you will spend time in the word, in community, and praying before God, what you will find is you will be more in tune to what his will for your life actually is. So when you pray this morning, pray that God will give you his wisdom, his strength, and his peace. Because you'll be in the tune uh, or in tune with the will of your heavenly father when you are addressing those things, when you are looking to those things, when you are thinking like God thinks. Ask for those things to define your circumstances. You'll be reminded that even when the whole world forsakes you, nothing can change how much God loves you. When you look through God's eyes before you ask for something, it almost always changes the way you pray for things, and it will reframe the circumstances that you are currently in, and it might even change what you're actually asking for. So as we pray for our needs this morning, I want you to follow the same rhythm we have followed all morning. Read and reflect on the verse Hebrews 4.16. It will be behind me and it says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Go to him unashamedly so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I want you to take your, your needs list because I know you have one. I do too. In this upcoming year... And ask God to to sift that stuff through his wisdom and his guidance. Ask him to make his desires known for your life first before you make your desires known to him. Ask him also what opportunities he has for you to serve him this day and for all of 2017. You know, this time of year, as everybody begins to formulate their, whether they are official or informal, their resolution list, and we begin to think about what we want this year of our lives to look like, make sure in your, in your scheme of priorities that, that God is actually part of that. And I would say for the Christian is at the top of that priority list. He has something for you this year. Whether or not you pursue that is up to you in this moment. Ask that, pray for these particular things that you believe you need. It might be something like a job. You might be dealing with some type of a relational issue. Maybe it's a financial problem. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, uh, ask God to give you wisdom and guidance in that. And I'd also like to ask you to pray for our church. Remember, we as a cumulative body have a set of objectives and goals we're going to try to accomplish this year. And we'll talk about those at length on January 22nd in our Vision Sunday. And so as you pray for the future and God's provision, pray for those things also for our body, for our continued church health, for our growth, for our pursuit of space, our mission of making disciples in our city and world in the name of Jesus also. Please pray for those things. This is also a great time for you if you're looking for a church body or a family, if you have spiritual questions, maybe you've come to faith this morning, wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, if you have questions about that, you can fill out those connection cards and submit them into these giving uh, towers as we leave after our benediction. We'd like to be able to follow up with you this week if you have if you have some things or questions that you want to 
uh, you know, investigate regarding the faith. And I'll say one last thing here before we begin to pray for needs. Uh, this is also the time where we as a church body, those of you who are uh, partners, gospel partners at Restoration, where we give our tithes and our offerings. So if you are a gospel partner at Restoration, we obviously have a, a commitment to support the mission and the ministry of Restoration with our treasures, with our finances. If you're visiting, uh, we simply ask that you do as the Lord leads. And you can also place those gifts in these towers as we exit after the benediction. So if you will take some time now asking God to supply your needs let him define what those needs are in your own lives and certainly for the future vision and mission of our church. That's how we'll officially end our morning. So take some time in prayer, meditation, and then closing worship.